it's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Monday, January 10th, 2022. I'm Kelly Reese and this is the KVMR Evening News. Up ahead on the California Report. More bad news as Omicron continues to plow through the state. Hospitals are buckling under the weight of staff shortages and the National Guard has been called in to help bolster COVID testing capacity. And in a 180 from the latest on COVID-19 in California, in today's National Native News, health reports indicate the rate of infection in the Navajo Nation is far below that of the state of Arizona. We'll turn to regional headlines and weather before Sierra Gold Parks Foundation board member Sid Brown takes us for our first walk in the park of 2022. This is the California Report, and I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. In response to a soaring number of new COVID-19 cases driven by the Omicron variant, Governor Gavin Newsom has activated the National Guard to help bolster testing capacity. According to Newsom's office, more than 200 members of the Guard have been deployed to 50 testing sites across the state, where they'll be used as short-term clinical staff until additional permanent staff are hired. With the increased demand for testing, many people have been waiting hours in line to get a COVID test. That's also led to a major backlog in getting results from labs. And testing sites are also dealing with staff who've gotten sick. Records are being broken daily here in Los Angeles County, which just saw its highest number of recorded COVID cases in the week since the start of the pandemic. That includes more than 45,000 new cases reported on Sunday. Statewide, some hospitals are buckling under the pressure of Omicron. As the highly contagious variant continues to sweep through the state, a growing number of hospital staffers are testing positive. KPCC's Jackie Fortier reports that hospitals in L.A. County are calling on the state to send the National Guard and other help. Omicron's ability to cause mild infections among vaccinated hospital staff is causing a crisis in L.A.'s hospitals. As of today, I have 37 staff out with COVID. That's Kevin Metcalf. He's the CEO at Memorial Hospital of Gardena. I've got a couple hundred nurses, but that's a significant piece. And I mean, 11 in the last 24 hours have tested positive. And they're getting it outside. It's coming from the community. As L.A. County cases have surged to daily counts higher than any other time during the pandemic, cases among hospital staff are also climbing. Nancy Blake, the chief nursing officer at L.A. County USC Medical Center, says each nurse who tests positive will be out for at least a week, creating a snowball effect. I think we had 127 of our staff come back testing positive. So that's pretty significant. A large number of them were nurses, but we had respiratory therapists out. We had radiology staff out. So every area moves a little bit slower. The number of L.A. County health workers testing positive for COVID-19 began to surge in December. Because of the holidays, a lot of people got together with friends and family, more so than last year. And then someone came down with it and then someone came down with it. And we know Omicron is highly transmissible. In California, more than one in five COVID tests are positive. To curb new infections, state health officials extended California's indoor mask mandate by another month. L.A. County health officials went further, requiring employers to provide medical-grade masks to employees by mid-January. But these efforts may come too late for L.A. hospitals, where Blake says she's having a hard time filling shifts. 
we're consolidating nursing staff and using overtime and administrative nurses to fill the void. The sheer number of sick staff prompted all four of the L.A. County-run hospitals to ask the state for help. Blake is hoping for travel nurses or military medics from the National Guard and Army that she can assign to the emergency room to fill the staffing gaps. What would help us is somewhere around 40 to 50. You know, we're a 24-7 service, and most of them work 12-hour shifts. The next step would be postponing elective surgeries like knee replacements. Blake says that could happen any day at L.A. County USC Medical Center. Smaller facilities like Memorial Hospital of Gardena have already stopped, says CEO Kevin Metcalf. I today had to cancel elective surgeries so that I could access the National Guard through the California Department of Public Health. That's the only way that they'll allow us to do it is if we cancel elective cases and then move those staff into patient care settings. L.A. emergency rooms are also being inundated with frustrated, otherwise healthy people looking for a rapid COVID test. Federal law requires everyone who comes into the ER to be triaged and screened, taking up time and valuable tests, Metcalf said. The problem with that is it uses up quickly all of our rapid tests that we need for our patients being admitted. California health officials say they've brought in more than 1,800 out-of-state health workers and are trying to hire even more as the Omicron surge is expected to peak at the end of January. For hospitals in L.A., the help can't come soon enough. For The California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles. Health officials in Sacramento County are requiring all public board meetings to be held virtually now due to the rapid spike in COVID-19 cases. Here's County Health Officer Dr. Olivia Casirier. We issued a new uh, health officer order suspending in-person public meetings. We are also encouraging other entities that are not covered by this order to consider having their meetings internally, uh, uh, virtually and also take other measures to protect employees. The new health order covers city council, commission, and school board meetings that would normally be held in Sacramento County. The state legislature operates independently and has not said whether it will operate remotely. Just last week, several lawmakers may have been exposed to the virus after someone tested positive after attending a going-away party for former Assemblywoman Lorena Gonzalez. When Governor Gavin Newsom releases his new state budget today, it'll include $2.7 billion dollars to expand the state's COVID-19 response. As KQED politics editor Scott Schaefer reports, state coffers are overflowing. On the heels of last year's record-breaking budget, California is poised for another budget surplus this year, at least $31 billion. Strong revenue from income taxes on the wealthy and corporate taxes will offer plenty of spending options. The January budget is a first draft of a state spending plan based on a best guess of how much money California will have when the new budget is passed this summer. By law, schools get the biggest share of the budget, but many expect much of the surplus to be used for one-time expenses, like infrastructure public transit, and climate change-related projects, and possibly tax reductions targeted at lower-income Californians. For the California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer. Support for the California Report comes from the California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system. On the web at chcf.org slash health equity. 
Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together, on the web at SchmidtFutures.com. And Hint, fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors, like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from DrinkHint.com. And that's this edition of the California Report from Monday, January 10th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening. Up ahead in national native news. After a look at successful efforts from the Navajo Nation to curtail the spread of COVID-19, we turn our attention to a small town in California. Efforts are underway to change the name of Squaw Valley in unincorporated Fresno County to Noom Valley. A federal board is considering the request after a push from members of the Mono tribe to replace the derogatory name. This is National Native News. I'm Shirley Jihad, in for Antonia Gonzalez. Navajo Nation President Jonathan Nez is expressing gratitude to tribal citizens for their diligence in preventing COVID-19 infections. Nez says vaccinations and personal prevention efforts have helped keep new infections down. At the same time, he focused much of a two-hour virtual town hall meeting on health care workers. He says they're carrying a disproportionate share of the burden during the pandemic. Our relatives are, and our staff are burning out 20 plus months and, and they're catching the, the, the virus too. the staff at the health care facility. So there's limited staff. And many of them are uh, getting uh, discouraged because of the comments from the Navajo public. We just got to be patient. While there is a recent increase in COVID cases on the Navajo Nation, health reports indicate the rate of infections on reservations now is far below that of the state of Arizona. Navajo also recently reported its first known case of the Omicron variant. Nez says it's time to reset and return to the basics of vaccinating, washing hands, wearing proper face masks to lower the surge in new infections. In Nebraska, the Thunder Valley Community Development Corporation hopes to change a destructive narrative of a small unincorporated town that sits right on the border of South Dakota and transform the connection it has with the people of Pine Ridge. Richard Tubles reports. For many years, the four liquor stores in White Clay, Nebraska, sold over four million cans of beer annually, mostly taking advantage of the tribal citizens of the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. Those operations shut down in 2017 after the Nebraska Liquor Commission didn't renew their licenses. This left a legacy of devastation for the people of Pine Ridge and their connection to that land. Thunder Valley is working to heal that connection by acquiring 48 acres of land in White Clay. Thunder Valley Executive Director Tate Wee Means says their intention is to build a community of healing. Right now we're focused on, you know, designing this community. What will, what will it look like? What will be included? And that's going to take a lot of engagement with our community members, with uh, justice system stakeholders. This community will offer transitional or permanent supportive housing with social resources for addiction and mental health. It's tremendous because we're able to be really intentional about building a healing community that is focused on really our relatives that are on the periphery, those that are forgotten or invisible um, or having a harder time accessing resources. This project is one of many initiatives that Thunder Valley is doing for tribal citizens to heal and reclaim their identity. 
Means hopes that someday each of Pine Ridge's nine districts can have a similar centralized healing community for district members. I'm Richard Tubles in Rapid City. A federal board now is considering a request to change the name of a small town in central California. The town, called Squaw Valley, is in unincorporated Fresno County. Members of the Mono Tribe and others are requesting the name change to Noom Valley, which in western Mono means the people. U.S. Interior Secretary Deborah Holland has declared the term squaw as derogatory because it has been used historically as an offensive slur. She's calling for changes at some 650 locations across the country that hold that name. Several states have outlawed using the word as a place name. For National Native News, I'm Shirley Jihad. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. There are now booster recommendations for all three available COVID-19 vaccines in the United States, and you may choose which booster shot you receive. More info at aaip.org or cdc.gov slash coronavirus who support this show. Support by Ramona Farms, offering wholesome and delicious foods from our heirloom crops as our contribution to a better diet for the benefit of all people. We are honored to share our centuries-old farming and culinary traditions online at RamonaFarms.com. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. Now let's take a look at today's regional news. According to a Cascade Shores resident, the Cascade Shores General Store Cashier says a significant number of customers who live in the community are reporting power restoration at their homes. The store itself had its power restored two days ago. As of 6.15 a.m. today, Ubinet's numbers for their Day 15 power outage update are as follows. Nevada County, customers without power, 1,261. Outages, 66. Placer County, Customers without power, 183, outages 10. Sierra County, customers without power, 161, outages 13. El Dorado County, customers without power, 67, outages 10. Nevada County Public Health reports 259 new confirmed COVID-19 cases today. These numbers account for Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. 535 cases are active. 13 people are hospitalized, 3 in the ICU. The Sacramento Bee reports California health officials expect to reach a record high number of COVID-19 hospitalizations early next month, raising concerns about the strain on hospitals and healthcare workers. The number of hospitalizations due to COVID-19 reached a total of 11,048 in California as of Monday. Governor Gavin Newsom said hospitalizations are projected to increase to 23,000 COVID-19 patients by February 2nd, surpassing the current record of 21,938 hospitalizations set during January of last year. By mid-January, the governor said the total number of people in California hospitals is expected to be greater than it was at the peak of last year's surge. Nursing homes are experiencing significant COVID-19 outbreaks. The Pines at Placerville, a 99-bed skilled nursing facility in El Dorado County, said it had 32 residents with COVID-19 in its coronavirus isolation unit as of Sunday, 
as well as 12 staff members testing positive in the past month. Westview Healthcare Center in Auburn, a larger facility with 205 beds, had 19 COVID-positive residents in isolation Sunday and has had 30 employees test positive in the past month. These two are among the state's largest active resident outbreaks within skilled nursing facilities, according to a data dashboard maintained by the California Department of Public Health. This reported by the Sacramento Bee. Now let's take a look at our regional weather. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 38. Tomorrow, mostly sunny with a high near 61. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 22. Tomorrow, mostly sunny with a high near 50 and calm wind. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, patchy fog between 9 p.m., otherwise mostly clear with a low around 38. Tomorrow, that patchy fog continues before 11 a.m., otherwise mostly sunny with a high near 58. Coming up, join us for our first walk in the park of the new year. Many may be wondering how the severe winter weather has impacted our three historic state parks. Well, Sid Brown from the Sierra Gold Parks Foundation is here with all those updates. Being the new year, Sid also discusses important reminders such as keeping our furry friends on leashes and remembering to pack out whatever we pack in. Well, this is Sid Brown. Welcome to A Walk in the Park 2000. 22. So this is the new year, and I want to acknowledge that we've all been through uh, quite a storm, quite a storm event. Um, as I'm talking to you now, um, there are still significant number of our community members without electricity and who are suffering the effects of our significant storm that happened Christmas night and the, the several days following. This storm has impacted the parks as well, but I am happy to tell you that the parks are all open. Um, Empire Mine is open. The interior core is open. There are some trees that have come down on the trails around Empire Mine, but they are passable, and the staff is working to clear the trails as we speak. At Empire Mine, we have estate and mine yard tours that we are offering now every Saturday and Sunday at 11 in the morning and 1 o'clock and 1 and 3 for the mine yard tours. And on Fridays, 11 o'clock and 1 o'clock for the estate and mine yard tours. These tours are very fascinating and they're led by state park volunteers, very knowledgeable about the, the gardens, the buildings, the equipment, the history of the Empire Mine uh, State Historic Park. So those are going to be going forward and available throughout the season. I think I've told you before that we do have winter hours at Empire Mine State Historic Park. So now the interior where you go in through the visitor center and the little um, park store, that closes at 4 p.m. now. And the visitor center opens at 10 in the morning. Um, at South Yuba, the trails are open and beautiful. And one of the things that I appreciate so much right now is, and, and that I remember, is that these parks are they're open and usable and interesting all year round, not just in the summer, not just in the spring. Um, but here in the dead of winter, the trails are in good shape. And if you 
avoid or averse to the crowds that we have seen in the warmer months. Um, the parks are still gorgeous this time of year, and uh, the crowds are not there. The trail itself from the bridge upstream to Hoyts is in excellent shape. There was The other day, it was a sunny day, and people were sunbathing, not using the water, but just just enjoying the park so much is just a gorgeous, gorgeous place to reset um, if your mind is frazzled from the challenges of not having electricity or running water or a flush toilet. Come come and take a walk and, and get a little nature bath and get a little nature fix. You'll come back with a much clearer head and appreciating what we have here. Also, another reminder about dogs. I saw quite a few people on this very narrow trail with dogs, and the dogs are lovely dogs. They're funny and and friendly and uh, want to approach every uh, hiker um, with enthusiasm. But I did not see a single person with their dog on a leash except the people that I was with. Uh, A leash around your waist or in your backpack is not the same as having a leash on your dog and your dog under control. I really want to encourage and remind people that bring their dogs to the state parks that leashes are mandatory at all times. That's for the safety of the dog, the safety of other people. Another um, point is the ticks are still out. We talk about uh, year-round use. Well, right now the ticks are still out. I can attest I had one on the on my back yesterday after coming back from the river. So make sure after you've been out in the woods, uh, make, give yourself a very thorough check. You don't want to have that tick stay on your body for any period of time. I think you've got it off within 36 hours, you're in good shape. So make sure you're careful about that. Also want to remind everybody, pack it in, pack it out. Please don't uh, assume someone else is going to clean up after you. And it's always good to to hike or walk with an empty bag so you can pick up something that if somebody inadvertently dropped to keep our trails beautiful and clean. At Malakoff, the park received a lot of snow. No surprise, it's a little bit higher than Nevada City um, and have cold temperatures, but the county road um, from Highway 49 to Tyler Foot and then backbone and dirt back into the park through North Bloomfield. That road is open and completely available with a regular two-wheel drive vehicle. It's paved all the way in that direction, and that's the way I would recommend accessing Malakoff Diggins State Park. If you do go to Malakoff, it's always best to go prepared with your own water, your own food, and and take pack out anything else you bring. The road is open, as I said, but the trails are covered in snow, at least the last when I was there this week. So um, snowshoes would be the order of the day or even cross-country skis. Well, um, I think that's it for now. I do want to encourage you to appreciate your state parks and realize that they are a treasure for all of us. And, And again, they bring us such joy and comfort in times of adversity so get yourself outside, appreciate nature. Even on a rainy day, you've got an umbrella or a hooded jacket. Get out and walk and, and make yourself feel better. That's our newscast for this Monday, January 10th. You can listen to an extended version of A Walk in the Park on our webpage, kvmr.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Sid Brown sits on the board of the Sierra Gold Parks Foundation and joins us every other week with news and updates from Nevada County's three state parks. Learn more at sierragoldparksfoundation.org. KVMR gets support from Milkman Toner Company, providing local hometown service for network printers, copiers, and scanners. Carrying environmentally safe remanufactured toner cartridges with printer support. Serving Northern California counties, also San Francisco to Lake Tahoe. MilkmanCompany.com And Four Paws Animal Clinic. Dr. Susan Murphy and Sue Lester and staff are proud to support KVMR. Providing medical, dental, alternative, and surgical services for cherished companions on Searles Avenue in Nevada City. FourPawsAC.com Stick around, coming up at 6.30, we have a particularly timely episode of the Women's International News Gathering Service, WINGS. Sarah Weddington discusses the history and future of the landmark Roe v. Wade case. Then at 7, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. Thanks for listening to the news this evening. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off.